The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers to learn their secrets. But in this edition of the show, two writers joined me to opine the death of one of the most influential forms in the history of the written word. I posed the question that many great writers have pondered stretching across the last two centuries. Is the novel dead? And maybe a more up-to-date version of that question is, did the internet kill books? And of course, these are famous, almost cliche, theoretical discussions that writers often chew on over stiff drinks, and they raise the hackles for those of us who adore them. What you won't find here is a highbrow literary dissertation, or even a very strict definition as to what the novel is or isn't. But you will find a lively discussion between friends who care about the writing life and its future. Robert Bruce is a renowned voice actor, poet, fiction author, and copywriter, as well as the vice president of Rainmaker Digital and the guy who runs the Rainmaker FM network. And Adam Skolnick is an award-winning journalist, author, and returning guest on the show. His first book, One Breath, was published by Crown last January, and his work has appeared in publications including Playboy, New York Times, and many others. In part one of this file, Robert, Adam, and I discuss how longer works of writing have been forced to compete with disposable culture, why Herman Melville died penniless, how the novel has stood the test of time, the role of podcasting for modern writers, and author Hugh Howey's rock-paper-scissors model of book retail. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks or you've always wanted to give them a try, you can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. This episode of The Writer Files is also brought to you by Digital Commerce Summit. We'll have more about that unique event for digital entrepreneurs later in the show, but you can check out rainmaker.fm slash summit for all the details on an amazing educational and networking event. And we are rolling today with some very special guests. I have more than one guest today, which is unusual for the show. But I think what we have is a special edition of the Writer Files. Um, we usually call these writer porn, 
when I get uh, return guests, but I do have a, a new guest. Robert Bruce is joining us today. Welcome, Robert. Hey, Kelton. Thanks for having me. <laughs> if you don't know Robert and his, uh, his famous uh, voice, he actually runs Rainmaker FM. And uh, by night, he files stories to the internet from an undisclosed location near you. Um, does that mean you're, you're actually writing s- stuff somewhere here in my neighborhood, Robert? It, it could be. It could mean that, Kelton. <laughs> Very the fact that you don't know makes it so much better. Um, so we can, we can find uh, your writing and more of your um, very, very uh, interesting voice over at robertbruce.com. Um, Robert is a poet, uh, fictionist, copywriter, and uh, a VP of Rainmaker Digital and, and a close confidant who has uh, nurtured the writer files kind of since its inception. So welcome to the show. Thanks, man. And Adam Skolnick is back, the award-winning journalist, author, uh, swimmer. I call him a backgammon uh, hound. He's actually a, a, a shark. And uh, so don't play him for money. But uh, he recently walked the, the marathon length of Sunset Boulevard for a story. Is that right? Yes. How, tell us a little bit about that, that adventure. Now, where uh, is that story, by the way? Where can we find that? That story is still in mid birth I should be writing it instead of talking to you jokers right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Watch it, man. I might be in an undisclosed location near you. <laughs> Robert's also in I, LA. <laughs> oh, nice. Good. You could be in my house right now. Yeah, you never I, know. I, um, <laughs> no, I, I it's going to be for lonely planet traveler magazine, which is, um, obviously the big Trump tra- uh, travel guide publishing brand. And they've got a, kind of a big magazine in the UK and it's, it's growing here in the U S and so it'll be for both of those editions. And, um, I walked sunset from union station, downtown LA to the beach 17 years ago with a friend, right. When I was first trying to become a writer, it was the first thing I did. It was the first story I wrote before that. I was kind of just like hiding in dark corners and scribbling down like stream of consciousness rants and occasionally foist them on unsuspecting people at open mic nights, but uh, mostly was kind of <laughs> keeping it to myself. And so then I started to um, really take it seriously, trying to write stories and travel stories in particular. And so uh, a friend of mine said he was going to walk Wilshire, Santa Monica, and Sunset Boulevards from beginning to end and asked me if I, if I was interested. And so I, I tagged along. And so then fast forward to a couple of weeks ago and an editor from the magazine said that they had a, a photographer on location shooting sunset for a, a feature and they wondered if I'd want to write the text. And I told them what I did 17 years ago and how I was thinking about doing it again because so much has changed here in LA, especially on the Eastern stretch of that, of that street. And, uh, and so they went for it and that meant that I had the death march ahead of me and it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was cool. It was fun <laughs> to do it again. This time I did it with a filmmaker named Chaiko Omawale, a friend of mine. And she was with me for the first 20 miles and the last six miles I was trudging alone. Um, and, wow. uh, yeah. So, I mean, oh, so it literally is a marathon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just under 26 miles and it was like, yeah. And it rained again. It rained the first time around it rained for like the first few miles, you know, first, or maybe in the first couple of hours straight. And wow. then it was nice. And this time it like out of nowhere, it rained, uh, when we were in East Hollywood um, it was great. You know, it's always interesting to see things at that level, street level, see how much has changed, how the sunset strip is kind of decaying, um, while, while East side it's LA is booming and, and, you know, just to be able to, to think about all of that, what that means. 
uh, and it's just a privilege to be able to do it. So and to do this for a living, to write stories. So it's, it's always fun when I find one that, that I resonate with because, uh, that's why we do this. It certainly is not the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we can see, you can see snippets of that story. Actually, if you, if you pop onto Adam's, um, Instagram, I think it's just Adam Skolnick on Instagram. Yeah, I just wanted to mention also that um, in addition to uh, being a journalist, Adam recently uh, published his first book, One Breath, last January, published by Crown. And uh, he has written for some really big name marquee um, publications, including Playboy, New York Times, many others. So uh, he's over at adamskolnick.com if you want to check out more of his stuff and see some of those great pictures, too. So you may be wondering why the three of us are uh, chatting today. And as we often do, um, Robert and I and Adam and I separately gnash our teeth about certain elements of the writer's life. And I thought I'd bring them on together today to do the um, is the novel dead edition of writer porn. But, you know, to start out, I think maybe we could talk about what this question actually means, because it's something that that famous writers have um, written about and kvetched about, you know, th- throughout the ages of uh, famous writers, Philip Roth and and um, many others have, have written some some uh, great pieces about it. But but I think what we're going to talk about today is maybe a little bit different as opposed to say like the highbrow, you know, literary version of that, uh, argument, we're going to talk maybe more about, well, Robert, do you want to, do you want to help me out on the, on how we're going to tackle this one? I have no idea how we're going <laughs> to tackle this other than, yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting question. I think it's, it, uh, and it, and it goes into a lot of maybe a bigger subterranean question of, you know, how, how do you, what does it mean to get out into the world what you want to get out into the world in 2016 and, you know, 2017 rapidly coming up on us? You know, I mean, so maybe the novel (laughs) we could say, I think we're going to talk specifically about the death of the novel, in my opinion. Um, But maybe that novel, uh, the idea of the novel can be a stand in for you know, in a lot of ways, whatever it is you're doing. Because here's here's the deal. Here's my my short take on it. You know, the novel is so last century, right? Uh, this beautiful form, whether literary or even genre, um, pretty much for, I don't know, at least a hundred years, has stood alone as a piece of, to put it crassly, media, that had very few, for, for many of those hundred years, very few competitors. So now you come into a world where we're still writing these novels, which I think is a good thing, and obviously there's many great novels out there and many great novel uh, readers of novels, but all of a sudden it's competing with uh, you know the Kardashians, and it's competing with Hillary's uh, 30,000 deleted emails, and it's competing with Adam Skolnick's stroll down Sunset Boulevard. And not only that, but the entire history of art and media uh, that is now available to us online, you know, the Beatles' entire catalog, so on and so forth. And so it's this really, to me, interesting problem that I actually don't think there's an answer to it, but I think there are ways, you know, maybe one of the better questions is how how should a writer be thinking today in the age of the Kardashians? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah, it's a good point. So, so, you know, we kind of open it up. It's, it's not, it's not that kind of bleak, um, Oh, I think it is. Take I think it is guilty. <laughs> sure, but I mean, we're when we're when we're asking the question, "Is the novel dead?" I think we're 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 you know defining the novel as kind of uh, a little bit broader um, piece of you know longer fiction, obviously, uh, including popular fiction, right, and literary. Well, that's fiction. what I was wondering if you were talking about the form of what a traditional novel is and like reinvention of the form, <clears throat> or if you're talking about just the idea of releasing books in general, because you could make that same argument for, for any book then if you're right. saying, I mean, you, you know, I or think from the, file. from the beginning of, I think there's always been an intense competition for, for readers, you know, in the, in the days where there wasn't internet and social media or even uh, movies and TV, there were a million newspapers, you know, there was a newspaper for almost every block of every city. So there's always been kind of this democratized media. We just don't really see it because we, we were so focused on, we're so myopic with the, with the present. Nobody can really analyze it against anything else, especially now because everyone is so obsessed. I mean, I think social media is probably the, the greatest set to people's attention. I, I think that the Beatles example is really interesting. Obviously, yes, you, you can, you can listen to as much music as you want to. So there's, there's so much media saturating, but I think it's social media that is a big drain on people's attention spans. And, um, and so, yeah, that's a real issue, but there's always been that issue. And, and before, you know, there was the issue of, are, are, is there enough literate people out there to buy the books? So, you know, I mean, listen, <clears throat> Herman Melville had to get a job at the customs office after he wrote Moby Dick. That's right. He died broke. <laughs> penniless. That's so right. That is, that is a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> but yeah. so I don't think there's ever been, it's never been easy to make your living this way ever. Um, I think that, uh, so, you know, to, to, 
these are interesting questions, um, but I don't think they prove the death of any form. I just think that it, it, it's, it's, um, it's up to publishers and authors to figure out their way around it and to make their book relevant. And, and, and a lot of that's just like this, having gone through the marketing process of a book in January through, through till really all the way almost till June, um, and to see how it's such a, it's such a mystery. Um, there's really no formula that you can follow that will be 100% foolproof. It's a real mystery, and, and it takes the audience kind of finding the book um, in an organic way as much as it takes a publishing house putting all their ammo behind something. Um, and so it's, it's it got, it's, it's kind of a mind bender. You know, for me, it's interesting being invited to this. I've, I've written a novel that didn't sell, and I wrote a nonfiction book that did sell. And so what I do know is that it's harder to sell fiction. And that might be uh, because of this shrinking audience or the competing media that could have something to do with it. I don't know for a fact, but that could have something to do with it. Or it could just be that, you know, people, publishers would rather make bets on true stories that they know there's an audience for. Uh, but either yeah. way, it is harder to sell fiction. That's a fact. Um, but, you know, according to my friends at HarperCollins, uh, their fiction sales are up. Hardcover fiction sales are up. We will be right back after a very short break. Thanks so much for listening to The Writer Files. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. Offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from, Audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or computer. For Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. Hey, Jared Morris here. If you know anything about Rainmaker Digital and Copyblogger, you may know that we produce incredible live events. Well, some would say that we produce incredible live events as an excuse to throw great parties, but that's another story. We've got another one coming up this October in Denver. It's called Digital Commerce Summit, and it is entirely focused on giving you the smartest ways to create and sell digital products and services. To get all the details and the very best deal on tickets, head over to rainmaker.fm slash summit. That's rainmaker.fm slash summit. Right. Harder to sell, but as you well know, as we all, I think all of us do and many people listening, it's like if when fiction hits, there's nothing better because it's also then it'll last a hundred years if it's, you know, if it's really great, of course. Yeah. That's rare. But we point to, and this whole ebook conversation now with Amazon and, and all these independent publishers going on and self-publishing and making, you know, the, you hear these grand stories of these people making all this money. I mean, Kelton, you interviewed um, Andy Weir mm -hmm. and, you know, an incredible story of uh, the self-publication of The Martian, and then it got picked up, and the movie, and everybody knows that story. Um, but those, we also know, are the rare stories. I think, um, what's his name, Hugh Howey? He talks about, you know, he hit with uh, a massive, massive fiction hit. 
Yeah. But he he makes a really interesting statement that people point to him and say, oh, yeah, this is, this is the new reality. Uh, mm. You know, we can all be like Hugh Howey. He says, of course you can't. But the thing to remember is, at least in the self-publishing arm of this conversation, is you can make life-changing money, um, which is, you know, to, to some people, $200 a month is going to be life-changing. But yeah, I mean, back to HarperCollins, it, I totally agree with you, Adam. It's, it's, I would like to talk for at least a minute about this idea of the form itself and its relevance in the culture. This, this to me is endlessly fascinating. Kelton, you and I talked about, um, well, it, it came up originally, I think we're talking about Bretty Sinellis. And here is, you arguably of our generation, Bretty Sinellis is maybe one of the gra- last great novelists, you know, Less Than Zero, American Psycho, Glamorama, on and on. <laughs> here is, you know, of, of the last you know, waning glory days of the 20th century, he pretty much, along with a smaller group of of folks, owned the culture, the literary culture, we'll say. But today, he's running one of the greatest podcasts available on the face of the earth. (laughs) That's right. right. So he goes from, you know, culture-shifting novelist to podcaster and interviewing, you know, incredible people in the culture. And it's this natural thing. And he's incredibly compelling. I'm not arguing that this is the way things should be. Just it it is what it is, right? Yeah. But here is, you know, one of our greats who is now in this new medium. And it's the same with um, uh, who you just interviewed. Dave McInerney. Yeah, another Brat Packer. Bright Lights, Big City. And now he's a wine writer, which I think is great and hilarious. I don't think it's uh, (laughs) a... Uh, like a loss, this great loss to art. I think these are two, you know, anecdotal um, um, stories, but it's like, I think it's interesting that what does the audience want, right? That whole idea. Um, And what do they want from them? And McInerney just wrote another novel. It'll hopefully do really well for him. But, I mean, he was talking pretty excitedly and interested. I mean, he's interested in what he's doing now. The podcast yeah. and the, the the writing the wine stories and which is sure. of course Adam right up your alley as well with mm-hmm. the nonfiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but there's still you know there, there's younger novelists that come out and, and wow I, I don't know I mean I, I don't know I mean I loved Less Than Zero as much as everybody else I love Brett Easton Ellis's work um, I don't consider him the last great novelist so I, I just don't I think that we're putting parameters on things that don't. See, to me, as a writer, it doesn't help. So I, I'm just not one of those people that's overanalytical, I think, in general, in terms of the the, wor- the work and how I do it and also where I put it. I, I'm just not that guy. I like I think I follow the story. I do the best I can with the story, find a home for the story, and then and then that's it. You know, I, I could probably be more a- analytical than I am, but I'm just not that person. So, um, but at the same time, I just don't, I think it's dangerous to put parameters on things that we don't fully understand. And just because someone's podcasting now, I mean, a lot of publishers are telling authors to podcast because they think, I mean, I, 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 I get stuff from my publisher all the time saying, you know, how to podcast or, or how to sell your book. One way is to, is to, is to start a podcast, which is, you know, funny because it's not like you can start a podcast and get listeners overnight, but you know, that's, that's yeah, why a lot of people are doing that because they are trying to creatively sell it. That doesn't mean the novel form itself is dead. It just means they're trying, you know, now 
like everything else, radio is democratized. So now they can just go and, and get their voice out there. It doesn't mean they're not writing. And if Brett Easton Ellis isn't writing, it's, I don't think it's because he has a podcast. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there. I, I think we're like in the case of Brett Easton Ellis, what, what's interesting to me is that he he's not, I don't, I don't know, obviously I don't know him. It appears to me that he's not doing this uh, to sell books or as a as a request in a in a in a marketing business kind of sense, he's using it as a medium, an artistic medium in and of itself. And I think that's where a lot of people get offended yeah. at the idea. And I'm not some huge. I, I'm an. I mean, yeah, I am an advocate for podcasting, but in this case, I'm not like everybody should have one. And it's this great. And you're right. It's just a, a logical extension from the days of radio. But to me, it's interesting that, and maybe it's just because I'm old and, uh, you know, out of the culture in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's interesting that his podcast and certain moments of it in that him in that medium is almost more interesting to me and to many others than any of his uh, work in novels. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just a fascinating think, thing to think, think about. That's the Mark Marin effect on podcasting, just to kind of take a, a little detour. <laughs> it probably has to be. I mean, and again, you know, there's nothing new here. It's just the way we do it and the way it's distributed. But uh, it probably has to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we know that however many billions are online and however many more billions in the next 10, 20 years. Um, I, you know, I don't know exactly if you're wanting to go somewhere specific with that, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think, you know, kind of just to compare Mark Marin, for instance, who's not a novelist, he's a, he was like a washed up comedian who started a podcast interviewing <laughs> his comedian friends in his garage. And then a few years later, he's interviewing President Obama. So, you know, I don't know, I, but, but I think, you know, Brady Sinellis may have been kind of on the skids and mm. uh, fearing the death of the novel, saw a kind of an example of, of as Adam puts it, this democratization of getting your voice out there. And you kind of probably kind of resurrected his career, both Marin and Ellis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think he's been pretty pretty straightforward in saying that it, it saved his, you know, career-wise at least, saved yeah. him. Well, yeah. I better start listening to it. <laughs> to Marin? <laughs> no, I listen to Marin every once in a while. Oh, okay. To Ellis. Oh, um, no, yeah, I was talking about Marin. Yeah. Sorry. That oh, guy. you were? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think both guys are... <laughs> Ellis like, is definitely worth listening to for the record, though, Adam. I, I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. both fascinating characters. They're both, um, like kind of like the most interesting man in the room, wherever they are, um, to listen to Ellis talk, you know, it, he's clearly a genius. And I think Marin is too. And I think, you know, having a place to kind of put your energies that isn't locked into a, um, a paper book is probably is, you know, 
it's probably pretty good for uh, a writer these days. So yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. You know, like I, I still, I, I, what I really liked about your interview with uh, Jay McInerney, Kelton was this idea of talking about writing into the, you know, writing into the dark, like you had said, and his his idea that. You know, he doesn't plan it. He just shows up and, and sees where it goes. And then even I'm someone that does outline, but even when I'm writing something that I've outlined, there's moments like that where you kind of connect and it's starting to make sense. And all these ideas that have been rattling around in your head come out. And I just don't know that magic exists in podcasts. And that magic exists definitely for a writer and probably actors on stage as well. Those are the kinds of those magic moments that people um, – that's what hooks us, you know, and I think that's what also comes across in a great novel to a reader, and that's the magic, you know. So everything else to me is noise, and the rest of it is magic. And does can can you sell enough to sustain the medium, so that you know can publishers sell enough to sustain the medium and the machinery, so that those magic moments can come through to readers? I hope so, um, because I think uh, I think there's nothing better than uh, uh, than than quality fiction and even nonfiction and stories like that as, yeah. as to, as to, you know, other writers that are finding success in the podcast arena. I think Malcolm Gladwell's recent podcast is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think that means he's not a right, you know, he's not in any way going to give up writing. I don't see, I don't see how he would. In fact, his podcast is not a, an interview podcast. It's a scripted podcast. So it's another way for him to write. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just as intriguing as his book. So, um, Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I I don't think it means like, I I just don't think the emergence of one form necessarily means the demise of the other. I don't think TV killed radio. I don't think film killed TV. I don't think now this rise of kind of uh, new distribution models for TV and movies, which is, you know, Netflix and, and other, you know, Amazon and all these other ways to watch Hulu, watch, watch media on your computer. I don't think that is, is destroying anything. I just see it as shifting and, uh, I think it'll always be there. Absolutely. Okay. Well, to just kind of throw some fuel on the fire, um, from publishers weekly, uh, actually via your friend, the passive, uh, voice blog, Robert, um, turned me on to this, this great blog, passive voice. Uh, it's a, it's a lawyer. Is that right? Yeah, just, I think he, I think he's yeah, I think he is a practicing attorney, but yeah, I don't know where he finds the time to post like he does, but yeah. Yeah, well, he posts a lot about publishing the publishing industry. Anyway, uh this morning he posted um a piece from Publishers Weekly just a blurb here. Bookstore sales uh in July fell by under 1% compared to last year. So, according to preliminary estimates, the uh, U.S. Census Bureau, the decline marks the first month in 2016 that bookstore sales fell compared with last year. But <laughs> this is kind of a weird factoid. The drop reflects the fact that July 2016 did not have a strong, uh, as, as strong a selling title as Ghost Set a Watchman, <laughs> which was released last July. But as we know, it's not, not a book from this century, <laughs> is it? Mm. No, but then why is Amazon setting up showrooms and bookstores if they, you know what I mean? Like, why are they doing that? They don't have to do that. I'll tell you why. Why? To go, uh, well, Barnes and Noble is, is failing. This is something that Hugh Howard talks about and actually to quickly seg into his rock, paper, scissors theory about kind of, um, the industry. He noted that, um, you know, the big five publishers are declining overall 
and um, Barnes and Noble sales are down 6% over the same period last year also. So they, they are changing CEOs once again. What he's saying in a nutshell, Hugh Howie, on his, on his great blog, which you should check out, I think he's calling it Wayfinder, Wayfinder now, but HughHowie.com. Um, he's saying that Barnes and Noble will never be able to compete with Amazon on price or selection, right? So, so basically, Amazon killed Barnes and Noble. And uh, that's why we're seeing the rise again of these indie books, bookstores, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, you know, the move from, of avid readers to digital, um, you know, the less clutter, uh, easier to carry around books like Ulysses or uh, uh, David Foster Wallace, Infinite Jest, right? But the, the, he's saying that physical books will never go away. Uh, just like vinyl records will never go away. Um, but there's a problem with growth. So there's not going to be any growth in the, in the, in that industry is what he's saying, at least in, in physical books. So he's saying that the future is going to be a mix of these indie bookshops that kind of keep the culture alive and foster community and then Amazon. And if Amazon wants a piece of that community, then they're going to have to emulate the indie book store to get a piece of that homegrown feel, you know, but, but Barnes and Noble essentially is what he's saying is doomed. Thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of the writer files for more episodes of the show, or to simply leave us a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm and please subscribe to the show to help other writers find us. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.